Crime Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys and welcome to Crime Wives. I'm your host Veronica. And I'm your host Destiny. Thanks for tuning in again. Right. For the newest episode of what are we doing this week? Right. <laughs> of whatever we started calling this. Our about me segment? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Before we get to that, though, I'm going to beg you to do stuff. And by Perfect. that, I mean, wherever you're listening to your podcast right now, if you could do us a huge favor and just go rate and review, um, even if you just leave us some stars, even if you leave us five stars, it's fine. Even if you try to leave us ten stars? Yes, do it twice. <laughs> I don't think that they let you do that, but do it. <laughs> try it. We'll find out. We want you to like us. <laughs> um, if you haven't also already, um, please give us a follow on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or all three at Crime Wives Podcast. Um, and if there's any sort of, if you want to talk to us, if you want to send us weird stuff, which people have done, uh, please email us at gmail, wait, Crime Wives Podcast. I always say gmail first. It is at gmail. I'm not wrong. But it's always Crime Wives Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Someday I'll say this way more professionally. In the meantime, you get Ronica with a cold telling you to go send us weird stuff what <laughs> i mean do what you want yeah honestly what we really want is your 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 stars please give us your stars give us all the stars yeah and follow us on those places so that you can keep up with our stuff yes and see pictures that we talk about yes if all the stuff we talk about you want to see what they look like you got to follow us on instagram exactly yeah, so uh, there's that. Yeah, so I mean, with that, we're going to be talking about you this week and how yeah. you're doing. Don't worry, guys. I'll keep it brief because by the time this comes out, I pray to the sweet heavens I'm fine <laughs> because this is part two. And uh, if I'm still sick two weeks from now, I have in fact died. <laughs> so I really hope that you don't die. I really hope I don't. There's some things that I need to participate in, in between now and then. But yeah. Like yeah. your wedding. Like your wedding. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. Just one It'd be nice if you could make it there. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. No problem. I'll try. Yeah, I better be, I better be um, better by then. But I am recovering from what you guys have already heard a little bit about. Uh, we went to Vegas for Destiny's bachelorette party and a party too hearty <laughs> and I made a slight joke again though I before we went I was like thought for sure I was dying it was strep throat got strep throat got rid of strep throat was feeling you know that feeling whenever you've been sick for a while and then you're not sick and you're like wow I'm feeling so much better I'm gonna take advantage of this I took advantage of it so hard that I um, had to go to the ER in Las Vegas um, it was a brief, it was actually, it, I've been hungover before. It, well, I didn't go to the emergency room because I was hungover. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> I unfortunately oh, stayed up too late and had a little bit too much of the Red Bull vodka and uh, my heart started palpitating and your girl's got a racing heart. So, and we have a very nice friend who told us we can't talk about her anymore on the podcast because apparently she's mad that we... I think we talked shit in one of them. Well, <laughs> I think, yeah, the one that we just released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, okay, you're done talking about me now. Hi, Michaela, what's up? Uh, but she <laughs> was the kind friend who took me to the emergency room, and or I guess it was a quick care, because um, it's cheaper. But um, that was 
fun experience in itself. I still have a bruise on my arm from a nurse popping, or she calls it, she called it blowing a vein. (laughs) So first it was a bump and then it was just kind of squirting out in the air. And all I could think was, I'm wearing someone else's sweatshirt right now. Please don't get it on her sweatshirt. She doesn't know I've taken it. (laughs) So she's like, oh, let's switch arms. Let's switch arms. So other than that, came home, got the flu. (laughs) Yep. So she's just been out for the count for a Couple weeks now. Yeah, dude. Hopefully that means that I got my my infection for the year. I got my flu for the year. Fingers crossed that means I'm good to go. You're good to go for the next few months. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) A few months would be great. So it was a very fun time. I'm sorry for the voice that um, you still get to hear because this is a two-parter. So (laughs) you get get sexy voice round two. Um, But other than that... Oh, also, I do need to say, Lincoln does start preschool this week, finally. Yay. And he had his open house last week where I was sick. I was, like, way more sick. But um, we were walking up, and he does the he did the thing with his lip where he, like, does the kind of frowny face. <sighs> I'm like, pull, and we're walking up, and I look at him, and I'm like, you've got this. Don't worry. This is going to be totally fine. You're going to love it in here. And he's like, okay, okay. Okay, we stood outside for a second, and he needed a hug, and needed a kiss, and then the teacher opened the door, and um, (laughs) I legitimately started crying. She didn't know it, he didn't know it, (laughs) but I was like, what the heck is wrong? Keep it together! (laughs) Like, I... He can't see you cry. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, I have a cold. (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh God. So, um, I got emotional. She didn't know it. I was like, sorry, mom's sick. (sighs) best excuse ever and um then we walked around in the class and he he, I'm pretty sure is gonna go back because he has a teacher what there's two of them and there's one that he was a fan of like he needed to go home and already draw a picture of her and he asked how to spell her name and I was like okay whatever gets you (laughs) to go back I'm not ready for this buddy I'm not ready yeah but whatever gets him to go back so um he starts on Tuesday this week, so I'm sorry in advance for me talking about it in a few future episodes. You are great. And also, <laughs> I love how you think that you're done being sick when you're sending your kid to be around I a lot of other know. kids. Your, your life's about to change. I'm going to be sick all the time. You guys better get used to this voice. It's right? my permanent voice from here on out. Yeah. So, um, anyways. Yeah, and so we're going to start recording at separate locations from <laughs> yeah. here on out. We're going to be Skyping each other in. Yeah. The, our podcast will have dog barking in it from here on out because I'll be at my house like, shush, 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 shush. <laughs> it's okay. Um, Apparently here, one of our friends who lives close to me is listening to football or watching football in his garage. Across with, the street. Across the street with his garage door open and you just hear, ah, like, yeah. If you guys hear some exciting cheering going on in the background, that's because it's the first Sunday of Super Bowl. Of Super Bowl of football. Sunday football is now fully in effect in our lives. Oh, yes. I also feel like that I needed to state this. It needs to be said. A, I listened to one of the podcasts where we're talking about football, and I'm like, oh, I should have established I know nothing about football. Like, I think I did establish that, but I'm like... Dude, we tried to talk about football, and you probably know more than I do. I I but I'm still just, and I only do because I'm like, oh, Alex loves this, so. We are supportive, and that's all. That's literally it. And also, I'm sorry to anyone that we tried to talk about college about. We need to establish we did not go to college. Yeah, no, I was there for about a year, and then I was like, cool, (laughs) Yeah, so I just needed to throw those out there twice. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) real quick. Sorry about, sorry if we offended you about our, our, our football talk. And also, 
our lack of knowledge of college. But Antonio Brown. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. Topic of conversation. Oh, I'm sure I... you know. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, I knew. <laughs> I knew from the cheering that took place in the middle of the zoo yesterday. Right? I know. Okay, well... Never mind, we don't need to get into it, but the opposite effect in my house. Yeah, I'm like, any. my husband is a Patriots fan. I've said it, so the, anyone that is around us never is. I, he's the only Patriots fan I know. Well, well I, that I like live near. I know Patriots fans from afar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, and also my son. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. So when good news happens to Patriots, I usually hear, woo, and then I hear a lot of, ugh, ugh. So I'm always like, sorry guys, I'm just the wife that loves him. <laughs> just because he loves it doesn't mean I do, but I do because I he do. does. Because he does. I love him. Uh, yeah. So anyways, there's uh, where I'm at in the world. And uh, hopefully I'm getting better and not, maybe this will make my immunity go up for all the kid sicknesses that are about to happen in my there life. There you go. Yeah. A girl can hope. A girl can. I can <laughs> and I am hopeful. <laughs> Okay, so who are you covering this week? Okay, so I have actually two people I'm talking about. Oh. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about Ian Brady and Myra Henley. Okay, never Woo-hoo. heard of them. Yay. Um, I had not either. Yeah. So this specific um, case was brought or was recommended to us by Shahana. So oh, yes. she lives over in the UK, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has reached out to us multiple times and she was talking to us about this one. So yeah, thank she's you our friend rec- now. <laughs> yeah, right. You're my friend. I like to talk to you. Thank you for the recommendation. So I'm going to kind of just jump into it talking about them separately and then when they meet. Backstories? Yes. Okay. So Ian Brady was born January 2nd, 1938 in Glasgow, Scotland. He was born to Margaret Stewart and a man who was unknown. There was nobody on his birth certificate. Oh. But... His mom always claimed that it was a reporter that passed away just a couple months before he was born. Ooh, that that feels like a good dad I'd want to have, too. Right? You're like, yeah, my dad was a reporter. Great story. Right. So not long after Ian was born, his mother couldn't afford to take care of him, basically. Um, Just how the, the way that she knew that he should be taken care of. So she left him in the care of John and Mary Sloan. After this... Great names. I know. I, when I heard Sloan, I was like, oh. Love them. <laughs> That's not <laughs> That's Alex's middle name for anyone that doesn't know. So I was like, oh, yeah, I, I love think it. I can't remember if we talked about this or not, but Alex has three names and goes by all three of them. He really does. Depending upon who you are, Travis, my husband, only ever calls him. I ever I hear Anson and Sloan. I never hear him call him Alex. I well, I I guess I call him Sloan. Yeah. When I'm like, oh my Sloan. Unless you're drunk, and then you, I want to see Alex. <laughs> Apparently, that's what I do. It's real cute, guys. <laughs> At least I want to see him, and I'm, yeah. You're so. not like, get away from me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate you. <laughs> no, I love you. Yeah, no, Usually. you love him. You love him. <laughs> we found this out in Las Vegas, people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and he's a good guy. So, after she left um, Ian in the care of John and Mary Sloan, um, Margaret continued to visit him, though. Because left, she left him there when he was only like four months old. Okay. So she would visit him and bring him gifts, but he never knew who she was. She just was like a family friend? Yeah. Oh, okay. That would bring him presents and things. Oh, this is very um, Ted Bundy's upbringing to me. Right, right. It was <laughs> yeah. very interesting. So growing up, he was known to be very smart, but did not have many friends, and he was somewhat disliked by his peers. Um, okay. He would throw temper tantrums and would get violent towards himself. 
a lot of times, like, when he would throw the temper tantrums, uh-huh. he would end them by, like, banging his head on the floor, the wall. Oh, and yeah. Uh-huh. Just self-harm. Yes. Um, which is, uh, when you're in grade school, makes other kids fearful of you, no matter yeah. how nice you are. I would think so. Yeah. If somebody was like, ah, uh-huh. head against the wall, I'd be like, Ooh. Oh, I, I remember I, being in third grade and experiencing a kid that did that. And I was always, I, as an adult now, I'm like, oh, that poor boy. But as a as fellow third grader, I was like, I'm so afraid to like, sit by him. Oh, our, our last names both started with R. So I was always right next to him and everything. And I was always like. <laughs> what if he throws his head against my head? Yeah, no, never got harmed by him. But oh, yes, good. I get the, I get the tantrum, tantrum? Temper tantrums. Yeah, yeah, I made it all one word. (laughs) Um, So when Ian was 11, he was accepted into Shawlands Academy, which was a school for gifted and advanced children. While attending Shawlands, he stopped er, caring about his academics and began an infatuation with not just World War II, but the Nazis. Oh, no. So Ian started getting into trouble for burglary and breaking and entering, and finally at the age of 16, the courts decided that Ian needed to leave the Sloan's home. Uh-huh. And move in with his birth mother and stepfather. Wait, what? Why was that decision made? Was well, it not a it, super so they, great they environment? They were just in the care. They were like, we need to get this kid back to his birth mother, basically. Okay. They think that that was going to solve apparently. it? Yeah, because he was just basically in the care of them. Uh-huh. They didn't adopt him, anything like that. They were just taking care of him. Did they? So they're like, you're going back to your mom. Is there like some info about that home life that maybe that wasn't going well and mm-hmm. maybe that's why? I couldn't no. find anything. Okay. Yeah, and this is also, like... Just seems like a weird... I know the courts make weird decisions all the time. Yeah, well, I think it's just, like, you need to be with your the person that gave birth to you kind of thing. Like, maybe, and I mean, nowadays... Maybe the Sloans were like, hey, can we get this troublemaker out of here? Possibly. but And nowadays, it's like, you need to go in the care of your your mm-hmm. birth... Yeah. They your always, biological parents. They want you to be yeah. with your birth So mom. that's yes. probably... It was around the same thing then. So, while living with his birth mother, he ended up getting a job at a brewery, um... He was known to distance himself from people and bury himself in his books. Okay. His favorite books typically involved S&M. Okay. So like Fifty Shades. <laughs> no? A little a little more aggressive than some Fifty Shades. So he Most read a lot of actual books. S&M is actually aggressive. Way yeah. more aggressive. Than... Way more aggressive. Yes. So he was into that and he was also into some Nazi stuff. Okay. Um, Wait, so... I, I understand how that could be an alarming combo of interests. <laughs> just a just a smidgen. Yeah. Um, so while he was working at the brewery, he picked um, back up in his life of crime and was arrested for aiding and embedding and was sentenced to two years in a juvenile facility. While he was in the juvenile facility, he started making and consuming alcohol and running some gambling rings. How was he making it? How was he making it? I don't know. <laughs> I have That's questions. That's like the battery acid with the rats thing oh, that we talked oh, about yeah. like in our first episode. Yes. I was like... How did they get that, though? Can <laughs> we back up? Question. Also, um, these are both in Europe. So. Yeah, and this is juvenile detention. Yeah. So how is he making alcohol? Chemistry. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, but again, with what? Where did it come from? Yes. I don't know, but he was also running a little gambling ring, so. This guy is <laughs> He ended up taking some bookkeeping classes just to kind of further his knowledge if he with all of those powers combined if he would have just moved to vegas as an adult he could have just started casino and been fine yeah it would have <laughs> been great it would have yes. been like snm he could have made the Maybe alcohol not the nazi part oh no, definitely the alcohol the gambling yeah 
bookkeeping. He would have had a good job if he could have just put them in the right. Should have moved to Vegas, dude. Yeah, dude. I mean, should have came to the United States. Nah, actually, I'm happy you stayed where you were. Yeah. Okay. Stay over there. So once he was released in November of 57, he kind of jumped around for multiple jobs. Um, But in 59, he started working as a stock clerk. Okay. Which is where he was introduced to Myra. Oh, Oh. Now let's talk about Myra Henley. Okay. <laughs> so she was born July 23rd, 1942, to Bob and Nellie Henley. From a young age, Myra was beat by her mother and her alcoholic father. Oh, no. It's the theme of your every story you tell. No, it's not my fault. This one was recommended. I didn't even go looking for this one. It just happens to be how it happens. Someone was like, hmm, Destiny likes alcoholic parents. Let me offer this to you. Here you go. <laughs> I found another one. Here we go. Um, so they all shared a bedroom and like, so her parents had like a big bed and then they had, she had like a little bed in their well, bedroom. You know, I almost, I was saying that in my brain, oh, that's weird. I literally have that set up in my house right now. My four-year-old sleeps at the end of my bed on a cot. So this is because their house was like not in good shape though. Oh, so she so was like, like it was a one bedroom situation. Yeah. Okay. And she was like forced to sleep in there. Okay. Um... So, uh, they, they all shared that room, and then soon after she was born, I think she was about five years old, her sister, she got a little sister, Okay. and her parents sent Myra to live with her grandma, who lived pretty close, like, down the street. Okay, so, out of lack of room, or? That, and I think, I mean, they were just abusive and things like that, so I think they're like, get out of my house. Yeah, okay, we've Me. made another one, you get out of here. You're gone. Yeah. Ooh, Okay. So Bob, really Myra's, heartwarming. <laughs> right? um, so Bob, Myra's dad, served in the military and was known to kind of be just a hard ass mm-hmm. and uh, kind of expected the same from his child. Okay. So one day, a boy was picking on Myra and, like, I think it, he, like, scratched her face and she ran into her parents' house crying and her dad literally said, you better go punch him or I'm going to beat you. <laughs> You punch him or I punch you kind Basically, of thing? Basically, yeah. Oh, hate that. <laughs> so <laughs> she ran back out, punched the little boy in the face, and knocked him out. Uh, well, yeah, because otherwise it was going to be her. Yeah, and the, her dad was obviously pleased by that and was like, that's my girl. Holy yikesness. So. Okay. Anger, violence okay. happening. Take notes, people that want to be good parents. Don't do this. This is on the list of what not to do. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so during her childhood, she was known to be strong-willed, obviously. Yeah. And mature. She missed a decent amount of school, but continued to keep her grades up. When she was in high school, she became friends with Michael Higgins. Um, so they just were known to be pretty close. One day, Michael asked Myra to go swimming um, with him at, like, a local watering hole. And she decided um, to decline. And she was like, nah, I don't really want to go. And that day, Michael died in a swimming accident. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh. So uh, she, and she kind of blamed herself for this because... She's like, if I was there, I could have saved him. Yeah, she was like, I'm a strong swimmer. I could have got him. Oh. And she, so she started to go through a deep depression um, and she ended up dropping out of school. Yeah. How old was she at that point? She was, I believe she was like 16. Yeah. So that probably hit her hormones real hard. Yeah. So or I think she was 15, but she was basically in search of something different um, she was just kind of floating at this point. She was going through a hard time. She was trying to figure just... out what she wanted in life. Yeah, because she's 15. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Shay, she's a teenager. She's a teenager. So we all have been um, there. So eventually, about a couple years later, she met Ronnie Sinclair. They got engaged and started talking about the life that they were going to have. 
the kids that they wanted, the house that they wanted, the good careers. And Myra kind of decided she needed something more, something more exciting. Uh-huh. And she called off their engagement. Okay. So she was like, can't do this. This is not the life for me. Nope. Not doing it. Mm-hmm. So while kind of trying to find her way, um, she started working as a secretary. And that's when she met oh. Ian Brady. Okay, okay. So both of them, not great upbringings. She has a, both of their stories sound like we've told those same stories over and over on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's kind so, of crazy. It's, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense, but uh-huh. it's like making a murderer. It's, yeah. Like not literally show, building literally, a murderer. This is how it happens. Yeah. So for Myra, it was love at first sight. And for Ian, it definitely was not. Okay. So if you want to take a look at the pictures I sent you. Oh, absolutely. Let me go ahead and... Oh, he's okay. He's probably like your average, the the guy that you settle for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looks... And so one part of it for her is she obviously was looking for something different than this white picket fence. Mm-hmm. And he is definitely kind of gloomy and dark. He just gives... Even the picture gives that vibe off. Yeah, he totally looks like um, all of um, Frank Sinatra's mug shots. <laughs> like, all of Frank Sinatra when he's drunk. Um, he's got that total tweed vibe going on. Her, on the other hand, which I bet you that's her real hair. It looks like... It a, is not. Oh, I was about so to say, she, it looks like a white wig on top right? of her. She actually was brunette. And then because of... So this is a picture after they were together. Um... His preference was like bleach blonde. Oh. And so she changed. So she changed bleach blonde. She... But not her eyebrow color. And no. Which, you know what? What are you going to do? Have just have bleach, bleach blonde, blonde eyebrows? eyebrows? Absolutely. I mean, not. but they're little dark. She made a poor choice either way. She definitely looks like she could be a brunette. She is not who I'd want to run into, like, alone in the grocery aisle. The grocery aisle? All aisles are groceries. Any aisles. Any aisles. Him, though, I'd be like, hey, you, you know any sweet tunes? Because <laughs> he looks... Can you play me some music? He looks like a drunk crooner. But that would be a mistake on your part, so... Okay. Does he not know any tunes? Uh, <laughs> he knows some Nazi songs. No, oh, right. But, okay. Yeah, no, that whole... Uh, okay, oh, so now I've seen them. Now I understand. I don't understand why it was love at first sight. But you know what? Love is unexplainable. Love is love. <laughs> yeah, love is love. Um. So they remained co-workers for about a year. And then Ian finally asked out Myra. Oh, probably after she stared at him with his crazy stare like, for so long. Look at He's me, I love like, you. <laughs> looks like you're trying to ask me something. Would you like me to ask you instead? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, um, he started introducing her to his love of all things dark, basically. He had her read his S&M books, learn more in depth about Nazis. (laughs) She probably was like, shoot, shouldn't have given him the googly eyes for so long. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I wish she was like that. Oh. So, and even told her about the rape and murder, that rape and murder was the highest form of pleasure. Oh, great. And she just completely went along with anything. Cool. Uh, So to test the waters, Ian told Myra that he wanted to rob a bank and he needed her to be the getaway driver to do so. So she started taking driver lessons and purchased two guns. Wow. She literally gen- or joined like a gun subscription thing. It was weird. <laughs> Which should not be a thing. <laughs> um, that's the highest form of commitment I think I've ever heard. <laughs> right? She's just like, 
You need me, you need me to drive you? Yeah, let me go take some driving lessons. Let me get a couple guns. I got you, babe. Yeah. I got you. So oh, wow. they never moved forward and robbed a bank, but he knew that after that he could trust her with anything that he wanted to do. Absolutely. He's like, oh, that went way better than I expected. He's like, I'm start okay, asking her for this. even bigger weird things. Right? Um, so on July 12th, 1963, Ian told Myra that he wanted to commit the perfect murder. So Myra was driving a van while Ian was following behind her. They did laps around their neighborhood. And the plan was that whenever they saw someone that Ian was interested in, abducting basically that in the while he was in the background on his motorcycle he would flash his lights then she would pull over and get like dude this this is like in your theme now this is like another i feel like this story is coming from a super similar one that you told i didn't even pick this one bananas this is in your wheelhouse (laughs) um so he'd flash his motorcycle lights she'd pull over come up with a ruse to get them in the car and then they were driving around trying to find somebody and they saw Pauline Reed, um, which was actually Myra's little sister's friend. And she was 16 oh. years old. Yeah. And Ian flashed his lights. So Myra pulled over and asked Pauline if she would come help her find a glove, a very expensive glove that went missing. Oh my gosh. Ugh, that's another thing that I just have to put on the list of if anyone ever approaches me and says, can you help me with this? Glove? Nope. Gonna get murdered. Sorry. Not doing it. Not today. Nope. Puppies is on that list. Now a glove is on that list. <laughs> There's a little... No candy. You cannot ask me to find anything for no you. No mimosas. No. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. If you say you lost your mimosa, I will help you find it. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I got a mimosa station in my back. You I'm want like, to come shoot. help? Put everything I'm holding down. Fine. <laughs> Actually, for me. I do. Yeah. Come in. Sorry, guys. I'm dying today. Bye. <laughs> but I'm going to die, hopefully, with the yeah. mimosa. I'll be drunk. Don't worry. <laughs> just yikes. Yeah. So uh, she said she lost it at the Saddleworth Moor, which is just a moorland. Uh-huh. And then when they got to the location, which... I'm, but it's beside me that I'm like, she got in the car... To find a missing glove in a moorland, like it like, just doesn't why were you sound out like scouting good. to find some, like my first thought would be if someone was like, "Can you help me find a glove?" It's all the way over there. I'd be like, "Why are you over here? Why are Why aren't you over there looking for it?" <laughs> what? And just what? anyone is, that happens to walk this by, isn't making sense. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, do you really need another person to help you? Yeah. I mean, yeah. on I wouldn't want to go to a moorland by myself, but still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they got to the location of where she lost her glove, quote, right. whatever, they both got out of the van and then Ian pulled up on the motorcycle behind them. Myra was just like, oh yeah, this is my boyfriend Ian. He's going to help us look. I really need to find this glove. There is absolutely nothing weird about this, right? Right. So Ian and Pauline started walking and then Myra actually, she like, I think she must have made an excuse or something because she went back to the van. Oh a little while later, Ian returned alone and grabbed Myra, asking her to keep an eye on Pauline. So, takes her over to Pauline, where Myra got over to Pauline. Uh-huh. She was laying on the ground, clothes disheveled, and her neck had been slit open. Oh, um, is that some... What, what exactly did he need her to watch then? Or keep I an eye no on her? I have no fucking idea. Was she still alive? No. So she he... was dead. Okay. So he's like, hey, can you come watch this for watch me? Watch this dead body. Okay. And so then he went and got a shovel that he had planted earlier, um, and then he buried her body. Okay. So no one could find a witness to what had happened to Pauline, and the case just went cold. Okay. 
Then on November 23, 1963, Myra asked 12-year-old John Kilbride to assist her in moving some boxes. They ended up taking John to the moor as well, where Ian took John and sexually assaulted him while Myra waited at the car again. Is this, how old is this person that they just did this to? Twelve. Oh, why did I ask that? Sorry. So younger peeps are there. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Disclaimer now. Sorry. (laughs) Um, He then attempted to slit his throat, but when that didn't work, his knife was too... Yeah, I was like, what is he doing It just wasn't sharp enough. Uh Um, He stabbed him and then strangled him with a rope. Oh. In the days after um, the disappearance, hundreds of people were interviewed and thousands of people were searching for John. But he was never found. Okay. 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 So, next victim. On <laughs> June 16th, 1964, Myra asked Keith Bennett to help her move some boxes again. Again. And got him into her truck where Ian was in the back of the truck. They went back out to the moor. Ian and Keith disappeared together. And Ian once again came back alone, telling Myra he strangled him with a rope after he sexually abused him. The next morning it was discovered that he was missing because, so the day that they picked him up, he was walking from his house to his grandma's who lived about a mile away and he would go there like every Tuesday or something to stay the night. And so the grandma figured, oh, well, he must just not, mom must have not wanted him to come over tonight. Um, So then she went over to the mom's house the next morning and they figured out he had actually been missing. Why wouldn't they just, like, call each other in between? Just to double check. Just, yeah, just to clarify. Oh. I mean, nowadays, hopefully everyone would. But yeah. I think so. My kid's not walking the mile by himself. I'm taking him there. That, that's like, very here, true. you go to grandma's. Yeah, Oof. definitely. Um, so there was only one suspect they could come up with, and it was actually Keith's stepdad. So oh. they thought that the little boy's stepdad oh, might no. have killed him. That's... or. Done, done something, something to, to him. him. Well, yeah, it's usually because that's usually the case. Yeah, and so he they kept him as a person of interest for over two years. Oh, um, sucks. but obviously he was eventually ruled out because uh-huh. it wasn't him. We know this now. Yeah, I get it. If I, I mean, if anything ever happens to a kid, the first people they look at is their parents. Yeah, so whoever's closest. I get it. I understand. Yeah. And we just... got no other leads. Yeah, I mean yeah. they really didn't because mm-hmm. yeah. Crazy. But on December 26, 1964, Leslie Ann Downey went to the fair with some of her family and her friends. um, And then they ran out of money after not long of being there. So everybody left except for Leslie. And she was last seen around 5 o'clock that night. Um, Yeah, and we'll come back to her. But she was last seen around 5 o'clock. Have they found any of these other bodies yet? Have any of these other bodies they're all in a moorland right now. That's what I was. Yeah. So on October... (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's called the Moore's Murders, basically. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, on October 6, 1965, Ian and Myra headed to a train station to look for another victim. Hinley sat waiting while Ian met Edward Evans. Ian invited Edward back to their house, and they drank a bottle of wine. He told, um, he, like, said that Myra was his sister. Okay. And I think that they're, I think he might have been gay. Uh, well, and... I mean, at this point, he's they've chosen more boys. No, not Ian. The, the Edward oh, that he found at the train po- station. It's okay. never, like, said, but uh-huh. I think he was gay, and so I think he was bringing him home to... Yeah. Yes. So, right. Because it sounds like that his, that, what's his butt? Ian. Uh, Frank Sinatra. Uh-huh. His preference is boys yeah. so far, so that's probably... Yeah, or maybe both. I guess. Yeah, I, it's. I think it's both because I likes, mean, at this point, it's fifty-fifty. He likes both, but he, they could probably tell as they are, in fact, predators. Oh, this one's probably only into dudes, so we'll play the brother sister thing. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. So then he had actually been like kind of getting closer with Myra's sister's husband. So Myra's brother-in-law. Oh. So she had gotten married. They had oh. a life. He was kind of like a criminal, like a light not- crime criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so also not a great guy. Yeah. But he, it sounds like he was, we don't hate him. Okay. Um. So they had like kind of. Ian and him? Ian and, Ian and. And the brother-in-law. David. Yeah. Okay. They became kind of. Closer friends. Established a friendship. Yes. Okay. So, uh, while Ian was drinking this wine with Edward, who he found at the train station, he told Myra that she needed to go get her brother-in-law, David. Oh. So, Myra went and got her brother-in-law and told him to come in the house when she shined a flashlight through the windows, uh-huh. um, like, kind of as, like, a cue. Uh-huh. And so, she shined a flashlight, and when David came in, he saw Ian bludgeoning Edward with an axe. Oh, okay. Escalation. Jeez. Um, so David stood there in shock, but also not wanting to do anything to alarm them. Uh-huh. He was like, which is oh, kind of shit. Yeah, they kind of say that, though. If someone's going on a rampage or kind of scary, you should try and act as calm as is possible. Right? And so he didn't want to alert that he wasn't, like, about what was going on. Uh-huh. Um, so he actually, <laughs> after... <laughs> he, he probably, like, had his hands up, like, hi, guys. Uh, I see that you've got something going on. Right? He's like, oh, okay, so hi, I'm here. And so he actually helped them, like, pack up the body in, like, plastic wrap. He's like, okay, I just can't uh-huh. do anything that's just... going to alarm them, basically. Uh-huh. He sat there and had tea with them afterwards. <laughs> um, and the couple were continuing to tell him about previous murders that they had done. Oh, no. So they made plans to dispose. Ian and David said, I'll come back tomorrow. I'll come help you we'll dispose of this body. Uh-huh. Um, I got to go home, though. And so... He's probably that, like, I got to make it seem not suspicious, guys. Got to go back to normal. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it off and so while. he went straight home, told his wife everything that happened. So oh, Myra's gosh. sister, and she was like, we need to fucking go to the police. Yeah, she was. Good. Thankfully. And uh-huh. she grew up in a sim- like a similar home. And still know. was like, something's not right. Um, murder's still not okay. Nope. Nope. So once they heard about the murder, over a dozen officers went to the house to arrest Ian and Myra. Good. Once they got there, they searched the house and found that they were like, fine, yeah, look around our house. But there was a room upstairs that was locked. Oh. And they were like, hey, we was need to Was there a key. man living in it? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> living in their attic. No. So um, they were like, hey, I need the key. We need we need to just search this. Uh-huh. And, and nowadays, I feel like a cop would just be like, all right, busting this shit down. I'm going to use but the she's... axe that you just murdered someone with to bludgeon this door. Right. So... Finally, Myra gave them the key. Ian was like, Myra, just fucking give them the key. Let's do it. And they found the body of Edward. So when they arrested Ian, he told them a story about how David had beat up Edward. Um, They had all just gotten in an argument and it just went too far. Um, But that he did ultimately like hit him with the axe that ended up killing him. Okay. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's another question. Like when the brother comes over and he just witnesses this taking place, wasn't there like blood everywhere like <laughs> like uh, i don't know yeah. i feel like something to support his story right but I've, yeah. a dead body usually helps yes so that's definitely right. so he claimed that myra had absolutely nothing to do with it okay. and then myra confirmed that story she was like i like i just went and flashed a flashlight yeah, for my I was brother not like it just went too far it was just a fight um and she actually wasn't arrested for multiple days and the only reason she ended up getting arrested is because they found a document in her car that stated exactly how they were going to kill someone. Oh, no. Always, they always write it down. They, it's either a journal or it's like a sticky note or, oh my gosh. Yeah. 
So the police searched the moor because the fucking dumbasses told David about all their previous murders. They're oh, like, yeah. we did this, we did this. Bragging, we have something yeah. to talk to about it. Oh, well, prob- it, it probably totally was one of those, uh, okay, if you're going to support us on this, let us tell you all the good stuff. And he yeah. was probably like dying inside, like, oh my God. Who am I sitting with? Also, who am I related to? Yes. This shit is nuts. Yeah. Oh um, gosh, what a rough, heavy, heavy night that was for him. God, I couldn't, I could uh-uh. literally not imagine. No. Um. So on October 10th, 1965, they found the body of Leslie Downey. And 11 days later, they found the body of John Kilbride. Okay. The police searched for evidence uh, linking Myra and Ian to the murders when they came across multiple images of the young girl. Um, so of Leslie, naked, gagged, and in explicit poses. Of the girl from the fair. Yeah. Oh, no. On top of that, they found a recording of her begging for her life and hysterically crying. Oh and you could gosh. hear... I didn't I didn't hear this, but apparently you could hear like Ian and Myra both talking... And like oh. so, like they've established that they're both there. They yeah, put themselves and at the scene of the crime to establish that it was Leslie. Her mom had to listen to it and confirm oh. that it was her daughter. I mean, uh, this is your child. Yeah, I'm, that sucks. But also, Awful. this is your child. Yeah, so. but like, could you imagine like having to listen to them? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> <Please> not. <laughs> like at the end, and like just the crying and the screaming, and she was like no. pleading for her life. Just. Terrible. Um, Those are sounds that haunt her for the rest of her life when she goes to sleep. Has, like, every night. Every night. So even after this, they tried to put all the blame onto David, saying that she, Leslie left the house with David, and she was totally fine the last time that they saw her. With David? Yeah, they were like, the brother. They were like, well, David was that this one too. What? Yeah, so they're just trying to, like, incriminate him. Who, this poor guy just having to walk in on it. And yeah. Like, ee. Which, yeah. And I think that they, they, it sounds like they maybe talked about like other crimes they could do, uh-huh. but it never like got to the point where it was like, we're going to go kill people. Right. Or maybe, so. maybe, just maybe he was just t- chatting about it with you to get out of there. Yeah. Like he was, ugh, yikes. Ugh. So with no luck finding the other two bodies, so they didn't find the other two bodies, oh, no. um, the trial started on April 27th, 1966, and both Myra and Ian put pled not guilty of course they did dicks Uh um but overall they were both found guilty and sentenced to life in prison and there was like he got three consecutive life sentences and she got two um because they couldn't prove that she was part of the whole or the one with john kilbride and if there's no bodies that's so hard well no they there's they found two bodies okay so the edward ian Mm -hmm. and leslie Uh or edward john and leslie Uh they found those bodies right okay the but other she only is missing. convicted of two of those. Yeah, okay. because she could be linked to two. So Ian basically accepted his life sentence in prison. He was like, all right, going with the flow now. And <laughs> Myra swore that she was innocent and it was all David and Ian. All of them. All She's of them. trying to put them. it on her brother-in-law and take zero blows. Yeah. And so after a few years, Myra finally stopped speaking with Ian. So they were, like, still heavily mm-hmm. communicating, and then they finally stopped talking. She's probably like, oh, I've been, I've been duped. <laughs> so <laughs> for a long shit. Time. Uh-huh. Um, so once Ian was ready to apply for parole, he said he was not going to, though, because he, quote, accepted the weight of the crimes both Myra and I were convicted of justifies permanent imprisonment imprisonment regardless of express personal remorse and verifiable change okay guy no one wants to hear you say that anymore though nobody no one i'm happy that he didn't apply for parole uh, yeah like good on you 
I guess. I don't even doesn't know. Doesn't make up for no. anything. That you you did. saying that doesn't make you look any better. Doesn't I we want to believe that you can he's just yeah, I don't like it, but whatever. I get the <laughs> I'm a bad guy and I'm acknowledging that I'm a bad guy, but that's all you have to do is just say that. Yeah. Like get the fuck out. Yeah. Get the fuck out. He's probably what he's really trying to say is if I get out, I'll do it again. Yeah. Truly. A hundred percent. It's just like, his well, fancy way of saying that. Right. His way of not sound, trying to not sound like he's a dirtbag, but uh-huh. he's a dirtbag. Yeah. So finally, Myra admitted to all involvement and knowledge um, and just basically was like, fine, yeah, I knew everything that happened. And it was kind of a ploy to get herself like out in the headlines again, it sounds like. Oh, so she's, she's like, like, now they're only me. talking about him. Yeah. Okay, so she is cray-cray? She is cray-cray. But in 1987, they finally found the body of Pauline. But Keith's was never found. Oh. So there's still one that has never been found. Um, and on November 16th, 2002, Myra died of health complications. Bye. Yeah. I'm like, oh, and, I'm not even going to ask what they were. Right. It was like uh, respiratory issues. Okay. And then on May 15th, 2017, Ian Brady died of natural causes. In 2017? Yeah. Like two years ago. He been he been living his life. So that was my case. That is a quite that case totally fits your your cases you've put up before. Right? Good looking out, yeah. Shana. She knew. <laughs> she knew what you Um were... also, yeah, I got a lot of information. There was like through Murderpedia, um, through Wikipedia, through biography.com and independent it's independent co UK. Oh, so, all right. Somewhere over in the UK. Hey, they've got, as long as they got information. They had all the information. Perfect. Yeah. And so that was my wild, weird, That was intense... wild and weird. Don't worry, guys. We're going to have pictures of both of them. We usually, for some reason, when I try to upload pictures sometimes, it'll only put one on. So if you don't see one of the pictures we're talking about, just go ahead and let us know. Yeah, and I'll call just us out. Be like, hey, yeah. I need more. Yeah. We'll be like, here is all of it. Yes, here's what we have. Um, and you guys can, t- whenever this comes out, please go look at this picture of Myra so that you understand that this lady is scary looking. I mean, this guy, he looks, he looks, you could tell me he did anything and I'd believe it. Yeah. Her, she murdered a bunch of people, knew it by her face. Yeah. Just, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. She got those crazy eyes. Yeah. So that was good. Good work. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Crime Wives out!